Take your Bible and turn with me to the book of 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, chapter 16. There's a, uh, a song that says, Open mine eyes that I may see. Anybody ever heard that song? Open mine eyes that I might see. La, 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 thou hast for me. That's all I know of the song. Open mine eyes that I might see. If there's anything that we need, it's eyes that are open. The Bible talks about awake out of sleep. Peter, stop wiping your eyes over there. Wake up. Open your eyes. See what God has to say. But believe it or not, as you look here in this verse, and I've always loved this verse, because it talks about the Lord is looking for somebody. It's like, you know, God's up there in heaven. Man, I got an important job to get done. I need some good guys. I need some strong men. And the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are like gigantic radar screens, searching to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for a man that he can show himself strong on his behalf. God looking for somebody. It's like God has a job to be done. God is looking for somebody. God is looking for a man. Look there in verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. God was looking for a man to show himself strong. I uh, had my father-in-law show me that verse over 51 years ago. I'll have to admit it made an impact upon me. He told me, he says, the world has never seen what God can do through one man totally yielded to him. I have to admit, that I had to think about that. The world has yet to see what God can do through a man totally yielded to him. Maybe one day somebody will come along and God will say, there's the guy I'm looking for. A man who really is committed to me. A man that I can use. You know, you may not be the guy that shakes the world, but you might be the guy God uses to shake the man that shakes the world. But we're always wanting to accomplish something. And I loved that verse. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. You know, there's the principle of first mention in the Bible. It's also in a study of hermeneutics, which is the art of biblical interpretation. It means that whenever you see something in the Bible mentioned for the first time, you generally will have the meaning of that principle, and it will follow through for the rest of the scriptures. So sometimes that gets uh, very interesting, very exciting. Uh, on our way to where I want to take you, I want you to stop there in Genesis in chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. And notice there in verse 6, there's something that God saw. And there's something here that Abraham saw. But what he saw was this. In verse 6, he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. God showed him something, explained something to him, and he believed it 
and it was counted unto him for righteousness. You know, whenever you bring a man and God together, the man always sees something, and God always sees something. You see, Abraham was told, count the stars. One, two, oh, forget this. It says there were so many you couldn't number them. God also, whenever he's interacting with a man, sees something. What does God see? Remember, as you go through scriptures, the Bible's always talking about how God is looking for a man. I wonder how many men got overlooked for some little thing before God settled on this man. Now, I'm assuming that as I read the scriptures that, you know, God chooses. But when God chooses, he has to also at the same time non-choose. If he chooses this one, he had to eliminate all the rest. Why does God determine what he does? Why does God choose the way he does? Why does God let happen the things that he lets happen? And so he says in verse 5, And he brought him forth abroad and says, Look now toward heaven. I want you to see something. Tell the stars or count the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord. So evidently there's a lot more that God said to Abraham about what he believed. Because he also knew and understood from this that not only was he justified by faith, but that um, he was going to have seed after him that was going to be like the stars of heaven. So many you couldn't count them all. So God always sees something that the man doesn't see. And the man sees something that somebody else doesn't see. Because you see, God is looking for a man that sees something. You have to have a vision. You have to see something that somebody else doesn't see. Or why wouldn't God use them? So there is a thing in the Word of God that talks about Him opening up their eyes so that they might see. You and I live at a time where we may not see all that God wants us to see. Do you believe that when you read the Word of God that you really see all God wants you to see? Or is there so much more to be seen? Very interesting. Uh, take your Bible and turn to the book of Genesis in chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. And I want you to see something here in chapter 21. Look in verse 16. Verse 16 says, And she went forth and sat her down over against him a good way off. As it were a bow shot. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. She sat over against him and lift up her voice and she wept. So there is something here that she didn't want to see. What didn't she want to see? She didn't want to see the death of her child. Well, well who is this? This is Hagar. She has a son named Ishmael. And the father of this child was Good old Abraham. And it says there in verse 9, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. Because you see, she saw something she didn't like. She didn't like the mocking. 
She didn't want this woman to be around anymore with her son. She's a bond slave, and so is the son. Cast them out. In verse 11, And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight, because of the lad, and because of thy bondwoman, and all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. So this is the verse that says in the Old Testament, Husbands, obey your wives in all things, for this is right. I knew it was in here somewhere. And there it is. But it didn't say in all things, and neither is it a command for us. But it does talk about this. It says in this verse, For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So God told Abraham, do what she said. Well, what did she say do? Cast that woman and her child out. They cannot be heirs. Now we know now in the New Testament that Hagar and her son is a picture of the old nature, the flesh. And the flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So when you trust Christ as your Savior, a faith child, you have a new birth, born of God. The new birth becomes heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. But this is a, a story in the Old Testament. It's called an allegory. A story to teach biblical truths. And so says there, don't be grieved. Don't be grieved. Well, that's his son. But don't be grieved. Because, see, God saw something Abraham didn't see. God also saw something that Sarah didn't see. God saw something that Hagar didn't see. But, you see, there is always in everything in our lives a divine perspective and a human perspective. So as they looked at it, they just saw a problem, and she was thinking of a way to solve the problem. And so... God says, listen to your wife on this one. So he says here in verse 14, And Abraham rose up early in the morning, took bread, bottle of water, gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. I would venture to say she didn't have a clue where she was going. She didn't know where she was going to go. She didn't have a clue, how is this all going to end up? She didn't know. So this was a dark, dark day in this woman's life. She had not asked for any of these problems. She just happened to be a slave, an Egyptian woman. And look at all the things that's happened to her. And did she deserve that more than Sarah deserved the other? What had she done that was so wrong? Well, in verse 15, and the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and set her down over against him a good way off, about a bow shot. Now, how far would you shoot an arrow? A hundred yards? But whatever it is, it was a good way off. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. She didn't want to see her child die. So now you stop and think now. Put yourself in her place. Does it seem like all hope is gone? There is absolutely no way for her to solve this problem. She knew she was going to die. She knew her child was going to die. And she didn't want to see him die. So she's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Hungry, 
No water in the wilderness. Nobody to help. They're going to die. They accept the reality. And so it says, and she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept. Now look what it says in verse 17. And God heard the voice of the lad. Now remember this. Do you believe that there is a God in heaven that knows all the little details that goes on in life? Did not God already know that by the mere fact that Abraham was going to have a child by this Egyptian woman, what it was going to do in this family? Didn't God already know how Sarah was going to react to all of this? Didn't God know in advance that he was going to say, take this woman and this child and get them out of here and don't grieve about it, let it go? Didn't God know that she was out there in the middle of a wilderness? No protection, no food, and now no water. And the Bible says that God heard the cry of the child. You stop and think, they estimate about 53 million babies have been aborted in America. Do you think that God hears the cries of all of those babies that have been aborted? I believe God hears. And God, who made the heavens and the earth, heard the cry of a, a little boy out in the middle of a wilderness. He also says here in verse 17... God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven, said unto her, What ailest thee, Hagar? And Hagar says, You've got to be kidding. That's in the Hebrew. You've got to be kidding. What's ailing me? In other words, it's like, Hey, what's your problem? You got a problem? She's in a desert. <laughs> I think there's a little humor here. She doesn't have any food, no water. She's about 100 yards away from her child, and she's just going to let him die, and she's going to die. And a voice out of heaven, Hey, you got a problem down there? What aileth thee, Hagar? See those next two words? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. See, God sees differently than we do. God not only saw a lad, God saw a nation. God sees more. God intervenes when there's nothing else you can do. When you get to the point of total desperation, you can't solve the problem. It's beyond you, and you have to totally cast your cares upon the Lord. Understand, you see differently than God. This woman saw her situation as a totally hopeless situation. She's on the verge of death. Her child is on the verge of death. She didn't see any water. And then all of a sudden the angel says, and he opened up her eyes so she could see a well. See, I believe the well was already there. She just didn't see it. What she needed was right there, and she just didn't see it. So it says in verse 19, God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. Did you know that God wasn't through yet? 
Whenever things happen in our life, always remember there's a human perspective and a divine perspective. It's how you see things. In our eyes, because we limit God, we have limited vision. Uh, there's a verse in the book of 2 Peter in chapter 1 that talks about, add to your faith, you know, virtue and all these things at list. He says, for if you add these things to you, you shall be able to see afar off. Now, a Christian, many times, we are nearsighted. I mean, we can see up close, but you have trouble seeing out there. And the Bible talks about the people who cannot see afar off. It's like it's all blurry out there. But you see, that's how you get your point of direction. If you can only see right here, but you can't see out there, you can't line up anything and keep a straight line. Then you go in circles. You walk in the wilderness. So what you and I need is to be able to see afar off. Let God adjust your eyesight. Give you better vision. And this is why you can believe the promises of God. And when you start believing the promises of God, you're getting better focus. When you don't know the promises of God, you can't see clearly. You don't know what to believe. You lose hope. Like God is dead. God isn't dead. He's just trying to get you to focus so that you can see afar off. Not just right here, but down the road. To have a vision. To see from God's viewpoint. You see, the woman sitting there with her child, she couldn't see anything in the future. She was going to die. There was no tomorrow. But God already knew there is a tomorrow. I've got visions for this boy, and you're not going to die. And all of a sudden, this well appears. In other words, God provided by the unseen hand. Miraculously, when all hope is gone, you see, faith is born in despair. When you have no visible means of making something happen, how strong is your faith in God? How well do you see? What is your vision? And you and I know that that little boy, well, he did live, didn't he? Did he ever get married? Did he ever have any kids? Go over there in the Middle East and look how many there are now. God promised. God promised. Because God can see things you and I can't see. Now, we're right here in chapter 22. But notice that whenever Abraham was going to take Isaac upon the mountain and was going to offer him as a sacrifice. Now, the lad, he could see. Abraham, well, he could see. And he, Abraham told the other guys that came along, he says, now, look, uh, y'all wait right here. We're going to go up there on top of this mountain and Make an offering and we will come back. You see, Abraham saw differently than the son. The son says, Dad, I see the altar. I, I see the wood. But there's something missing here. Where's the sacrifice? Where's the offering? Where, where, where's the lamb? Abraham could look down the road. 
He believed that if he was to slay his own son, the Bible tells in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, that he believed God would raise his son from the dead. But notice, Abraham did not know at that point. Behind him was a ram caught in the thicket. And he got the ram and offered him as a sacrifice. You see, some people don't always see what everybody else sees. Everybody's on a different level of understanding, spiritual understanding. What did God see? The Bible says, God says, now I know. Now I know. He was ready to offer up his son. God saw something. God saw his faith. God is looking for a man. You see, a man, in most cases, especially in times of desperation, is looking for God. Why do you think sometimes God will allow you to have such moments of despair? Because he wants you to see something you haven't seen before. So he brings you to that point where you have to look to the Lord. You're looking for God. Well, blessed be God. He's a looking for you. Isn't it wonderful when two people meet and come together? And God tells you, look, I've got something for you. God was able to provide up on a mountaintop when nobody saw how God was going to do it. Only Abraham believed God would. He did not know how God would. So you and I, as we go through, there's all these stories in the Old Testament, and they're perfect for Sunday school. But I wonder if there's anything in these things that, you know, an adult can learn from as we go through life. That maybe there's some things that God wants us to see, and there's things that God's looking for. Do you know God is looking for the element of faith in an individual? Can you believe what God says? And God did provide himself a lamb down the road. Look in Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. Chapter 28. But chapter 27 and verse 41. There's something I want you to see there. Look there in chapter 27 and verse 41. Esau hated Jacob. Isn't that clear? Is that clear? Boy, that's clear. Why did he hate Jacob? Poor little Jacob hadn't done anything wrong, had he? He was just a thief and a conniver. But Esau asked for it. He was willing to sell his birthright for a mess of pottage. Whether it was just lentil, bean soup. But he was willing to give it all up. But he was angry because, in verse 41, of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. So he had in his heart, not just to hate, I'm going to kill this kid. I'm going to kill him. So Mama, who was part of the problem, says, Son, uh, let the curse be upon me. You get out of here. And he left. Look in Genesis chapter 28. And look in verse 10. Jacob went out 
from Beersheba, went into Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place, tarried there all night. Because the sun was set, and he took of the stones of that place, and put them for his pillows, and lay down in that place to sleep. Now, could you sleep real comfortable with a stone for a pillow? Now, me, I'd have went to the Holiday Inn, you know, where they leave the light on, and maybe it's Motel 6. But here he is. I mean, this is a famous man. I mean, this is one of God's tops. And God lets him sleep out there in the open, on the ground, with a stone for a pillow. Did you know Jacob was afraid? He was afraid his brother was going to kill him. Did you know after he was gone for all those years, he was scared to death to come back home? Petrified. Because he, he could see the hatred. He knew what had been taking place. Everything wasn't smooth. Things were going wrong. And now he's going to, oh, I guess go find him a, a wife from Laban. But it says that um, he had a dream. You ever have dreams? He had a dream. So it says in verse 12, And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth. The top of it reached to the heavens. And behold, the angel of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. Did you know that God had made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob? Gave all of them the same statement. What God is going to do. They didn't ask for it. They didn't deserve it. It's just that this is what God, who created the heavens and the earth, has a right to do. God can do whatever he chooses to do. But as God looks down, remember, God is looking for a man. And God don't have perfect people he can use. So yes, God uses a bunch of dedicated nobodies. And sometimes things go bad. Jacob was not the epitome of an example of the believer. His name even meant Sir Planner. Trying to steal what belongs to others. You ought to see what he did with Laban. Boy, he really took him to the cleaners. Knew how to make money. Or cattle. And so he says here in verse 15, And behold, I am with thee. The Lord's telling him this. And will keep thee in all places where thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee, till I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. You ought to underline that phrase. God will not leave you, forsake you, until he has finished using you for whatever he intended you to be. Whatever he wants you to do. You and I are supposed to believe that. 